This is Flipping Table. <laughs> Welcome to Flipping Tables, a podcast about technology, culture, and and culture and games and <laughs> and stuff like that. I'm one of your hosts, Mike Edwards, and I am David Lyons, and we are here to bring you some rants and tech news and 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 culture again. And, and yeah. So I actually, can I start with a, a little tiny personal anecdote? Yes. So in the last few weeks to couple months, I've had to deal with a lot of different businesses like big companies like airlines and small businesses like little local you know fabricators and shops and stuff and i've become intently aware that the way you handle a customer complaint is basically all that matters yeah. <laughs> like doing the job right the first time is is gets you to like a b plus because then i never have to talk to you again unless we do business again but the way you handle a customer complaint is all that matters. And I'll just say this so I don't go on like a 90-minute tirade. <laughs> I was talking to a representative, and I'll just call him out. It was Hertz. So I was talking okay. to a representative at Hertz, and I'm explaining to the woman what my issue is. And then all of a sudden, I realize I can hear music. I was like, oh, my God, she put me on hold. Like while I was talking to her, she just put me on hold. <laughs> So then she comes, you know, I wait and she comes back like five seconds later. And I said, did, did you just put me on hold while I was in the middle of explaining my issue to you? And she went, yes, sir, I did. I was like, you need to put me on with your supervisor immediately because that is so unacceptably yeah. rude. And she was just like, okay, hold. And then she did other crazy nonsense after that, that I won't bore everybody with. But I was just like, I can't, what? customer service training program did you go through you always tell the customer that you're doing that and preferably for a good reason like i'm gonna work on this can you can put you on hold for a moment yeah (laughs) so that was yeah just it's all about how you handle customer complaints because honestly if i had gone through that whole process and they just said like oh you know we're sorry we'll refund like the the small fee that you shouldn't have had on there. But instead I was like, well, and you did this wrong and you did this wrong and you did that wrong. And by the time I actually got to someone who could help my problem, they had to refund a bunch of my money because I was really pissed. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, the final person I got to did eventually set it right. But I mean, geez, it's like I had to go through five people. And, and companies get into loss prevention and it's like they, they, take away the ability of the person to make you happy. It's like, well, you can refund zero things. Yeah. And that was try to try to make someone happy. (laughs) That was exactly what ultimately happened is when I finally got to someone who wasn't an idiot and I explained to them what it was they needed to do to fix my bill. He was like, I can't. He was like, I agree with you that that's what needs to happen, but I have to transfer you to this other department. And I was like, don't, don't, don't transfer me again, man. Don't do this to me, bro. Like, <laughs> this is going to be transfer number five or number four. I was yeah. like, you don't, don't do this to me. And he was like, I can't do anything. He was like, this other department, they're the only people. And she, the last person I spoke to did end up helping me. But every oh. time you get transferred, it's a gamble. It's a roll of the dice. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, I'm going to have to tell my entire story again. Yep. And then probably, yeah, it's just like, 
hi, I'm a server, <laughs> human yeah. version. And and I think there's something to be said for how much ang- – like there's an exponential growth of anger every time you have to tell that same story again in like a 10-minute <laughs> span. Because the first time you're like, yeah, you know, the, the dome light was out in my car. And then by the fifth time you have to tell that story, you're like, the car had no wheels and it was on fire. And, <laughs> and it had rabies somehow. Yes. There was like foam on front Yes, of it. and then it gave my grandparents Ebola. Like, just, <laughs> because by that time, like, you're so angry. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was my little... Right. I just had to get that out. <laughs> we do have a little bit of follow-up this week on our spoilers discussion. And I actually want to read at least a portion of this comment, if not most of it. Um, one of our listeners said, I get annoyed when spoilers come out of left field, no indication of the topic being discussed in the show notes or description. What's worse is when someone blurts out the spoiler, then says, <laughs> spoiler alert, that's not a save, you're just a jerk. <laughs> I also think the subject matter is important. You talk about plot twists, knowing there's a twist changes how the story unfolds for you, and I hate that. Also true for really intense dramas. I knew something was going to happen to a certain character in House of Cards, and I was, spoiler alert, and I was looking <laughs> for it. My husband came in fresh, and his reaction to that moment in question was priceless. Yeah, this is so. I think the part of this is like maybe a tiny little bit of a jab, like directly (laughs) at us, just because, um, like our show notes are, I think we do pretty robust show notes, but they're not all inclusive. Like, there are definitely comments in the show that don't necessitate a show note. Um, so high fiber, (laughs) yeah, exactly like that. So, you know. If we say something during the course of the show that ruins something for you, I'm super, super sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I agree that if the entire episode or, or a large chunk of it is like, you know, on this week's episode, we discuss how in House of Cards, everyone in America dies. <laughs> All in one episode. Of rabies. Yes. So then like that, yeah, you should probably front load that that's what you're going to be talking about. I also – that just made me realize that people do sometimes – go like 90% of the way to the spoiler by saying they're about to like, Oh, I really want to tell you about this one group of characters in the walking dead that dies. Nobody thought they were going to die, but they do die. Can I tell you about it? And it's like, you just told me about it. That's the, all you have to do is name them now. At least with that show, someone dies all the time. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't actually watch the walking dead. I just figured that was a safe one for character death. Yeah. I guess game of Thrones would have been pretty safe. (laughs) So super sorry for for spoiler land, um, Carolyn. I, I agree with you. I think pretty pretty heavily on that. I do like having that fresh experience, or and it, it's not even so much the details. It's just getting that that emotional experience. But it it varies. It depends on the show. It depends on the context. Um, yeah, I have some things I have found. I'm more like I'm more interested because I have been watching House of Cards. I'm more interested in experiencing how that series is going to end whether it's like because the british one i guess was is already done so there's suspicion about how the american one will end and like i couldn't help myself because like i want to solve the puzzle like we talked about it off the air and and you know i'll be interested to see if that's what happens but i don't want someone to see the american ending and then spoil it for me yeah i mean if it happens i'm you know whatever but i'd rather they didn't and it's rabies, everyone. <laughs> it's rabies. Um, so Today's tell us about. Show is brought to you by rabies. <laughs> tell us about plastic. Plastic. 
This is another uh, vowel removal yeah. company. You were born in a terrible time in history for language because you are not a fan of the vowel drop. I mean, I don't know why you would be a fan of it. But that like language dubstep? <laughs> a little bit, yeah. It kind of feels that way because you just get hit by consonants all over. So I, I guess it's pronounced plastic, but plastic is another entrant into the uh like smart credit card digital wallet yeah it's ish yeah i guess when i think of digital wallet i think of like a mobile device but i guess this still kind of fits in that so basically the idea is you have a card that's about the size of a credit card but it has smart guts in it and you can use it as like 20 different credit cards and also anything with a magnetic strip like a library card Mm -hmm. or or whatever uh uh, what they call them, loyalty cards, any of that crap. Um, so Coin was the first one of these that I had ever heard of. They announced it, and they were doing – they didn't do a Kickstarter. They did like a pre-order thing. So it was like <laughs> – Get in line. Well, it was like, hey, this product doesn't exist, but you should give us money. But shouldn't it? Yeah, well, <laughs> it was more like, no, dude, we're definitely going to sell this. Yeah. So you should pre-order and then the window for when they were supposed to ship has come and gone. I think it was this July. Ooh. Yeah. And as far as, as far as I know, they haven't shipped yet. So that's always kind of sketchy. So it seems like mobile payments, wallet cutter, there's not a good term for exactly saying this. Like It's <laughs> not like cord cutting where you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, this is happening, but how how long and what will the stages be? Like, how long is this going to take before I'm just like pay for the thing and wave my hand, <laughs> and then it's on, it's done. Well, <laughs> everywhere. So, so I think the coin and plastic is the same kind of deal. Plastic is actually, I think, more clever because it can do more stuff because it has a battery in it. The trade off is that the battery has to be charged, but. <laughs> It lasts for 30 days. You ready to charge your credit card, America? Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> it, it lasts for 30 days, and they're shipping it with a wireless charging pad. So what they're saying is just put this charging pad where you put your wallet every night. And then when you set your wallet down on it, it will just always be charged. And the fact that it lasts 30 days means like you can go on vacation with it fully charged and unless you get amazing two-month-long vacations, <laughs> you're not going to have to worry about it. <laughs> Which case, you have someone else that carries your stuff and pays for you. Yeah, exactly. You have other ways Put it to... on my tab. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I think coin and plastic are interesting because they feel like the middle step. Whereas like Apple Pay and Google Wallet and I think Verizon tried to clumsily step into this space <laughs> and failed. Like sometimes my phone is dead. Like sometimes I I walk into a store and I'm like, oh, I just want to buy a a nice tea and I don't have my phone with me because I'm in gym shorts or something. Like it's yeah, it's kind of a weird place where it's like I have my phone with me the vast majority of the time, but there are times I have my wallet but not my phone. So I think I think a different middle step is going to happen. I unless I'm just totally wrong on this, I don't think something like plastic. Plastic is going to going to work. I think it's going to be. I will use my phone to pay ninety percent of the time, and I have one card for the emergencies or that one place or when I'm out and about, and I need a credit card. So but you, it'll you won't be. Have, a, it'll still be a dumb card. 
Yeah, it'll be a, the one dumb card that's always with you. The rest are at home and convenient mobile payments almost everywhere. I think that'll be a long middle stage of like you have the lifeline for when battery's dead. But yeah. buying like a smart credit card, I don't see that. So if, and let's, this is, I'm going to cast a whole bunch of aspersions here, but let's just presume that you could get the data from non credit cards onto like a coin or a plus. <laughs> <laughs> Would that make it worth carrying? Because if you disassembled my wallet, I only carry like five cards now, but. Two of them are identification, so you know my, yeah. my state driver's license and then my ID for work. And I need to carry my ID for work because it also unlocks doors. Yeah. Then I have my car to go card, which you know I need to unlock a car to go. And then I have a um, my my. I wonder rail. how long till you can just NFC car to goes from your phone though. This is exactly <laughs> what I'm getting at. Is like the majority of the stuff in my wallet is not money. Like it's not even digital money. Yeah. It's just identification and and rectangular keys. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so it's like that's what I need to replace. For, you know, me personally. Like I don't want to carry my my transit card. I don't want to carry my car to go card. I don't yeah. want to carry my even work ID. Like I just want to be able to tap my phone or my ring or my face <laughs> against flail my elbow <laughs> in the area around. Yeah, this is that's what I want. So, like, I mean, do you mind saying, like, how many money cards do you carry? Um, at least two. Right, yeah. Debit and credit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what I have. So it's like debit if I need cash, credit for basically everything else. Um, so, I mean, the, the idea of, like, it can hold ten credit cards. I'm like, nope. You, non-starter. Yeah, you, you've served. I mean, it's neat, I guess, but like that doesn't serve any function. Like for me. other credit cards we have are just to buy stuff online for specific rewards. Sure. Yeah. Well, and like and uh, that's yeah. the other thing that I mean, I guess Plask would preserve that <laughs> because it'd be using your actual credit card. But the mobile systems are going to be. I know Apple Pay is going to like you can use your real card, you will get the same rewards. Yeah. So exactly. it's not like it's it's hiding your reward system. Right, and I I know like some stores have their line. Right, like we're doing some the Macy's card. Yeah, we're doing some home upgrade stuff. So it went on like the Lowe's card because you get a discount on the Lowe's card. It's like, it's like a card that exists for one purpose. That I'm going to cancel as soon as we pay off. <laughs> yeah, that pretty much exactly that. But the thing is, like, I went. So I had an issue. I went back into Lowe's and I don't carry that card with me because I know when I need to use it. So I go back into Lowe's and I was like, oh, I need to put this on my Lowe's card, but I don't have it. And they were like. <laughs> okay, we found your account. I was like, well, you just convinced me to never carry it. Yeah. <laughs> because you just taught me that to pay with it, I don't need to have it. <laughs> so expect to do this a lot. Because you're a low subscriber, I guess, or you well, have some... Because it's, it's not a card that has Lowe's rewards. It's a dedicated Lowe's card that yeah. works only in Lowe's. Yeah. So they maintain all the records. Yeah. Like, so they have that hooked up to your actual payment. Separately. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, they just send you a bill. Yeah, you know. So it's like I, it's like you just taught me to never carry this card. Like the day Cardigo announces, like, oh, you can use NFC on your phone or Bluetooth to log into a Cardigo with your phone. I'm gonna throw that thing yeah, in your drawer and never it. take it out. I'm gonna pull up a firecracker <laughs> on it. 
<laughs> were you like Sid from Toy Story? <laughs> Pretty like, much. Take it out in the backyard. I am wearing like, a skull shirt today. <laughs> you should be every day. So, but I mean, do you like? Do you have a lot of reward cards? Like, because that's where I'm at. Like, if it solved my reward card, tap to log in, tap to unlock doors, then I would be interested. Yeah. But as long as all it does is debit and credit cards, I'm like, I don't. Or I already don't have that problem. Yeah. No, I don't have a... I mean, I have an airline, an Amazon, and an iTunes reward card. Right. But <laughs> those probably sit in a filing cabinet that's locked. And probably there's a couple store cards sitting around that I don't even think about. Right. Yeah. So this... I wonder... I mean, maybe this is why this isn't taking off. Maybe this is a solution in search of a problem. Yeah. Like, although I... Okay, so I hate to... to be sexist but for anyone who carries a purse which is more often women than men um maybe they carry more of their cards at any time than a guy might because like i use a slim wallet so i really pared down but even if i had a full-size wallet you can only fit five six cards in there well i even just wonder if we're representative in general like do most people carry many cards Maybe that's a question for the listener. Oh. How many cards do you carry? What are their numbers? And what, <laughs> what is your CVV code? <laughs> yeah. And uh, what's your middle initial and your mother's maiden name? But so maybe this, this could also potentially be a generational thing. Because I remember as a kid really wanting a wallet because my dad had a wallet. Yeah. You know? And then, like, after carrying a big fat wallet full of receipts and crap around for 10 years, I was like, this is awful. I hate this. (laughs) I hate getting change. That is the worst. (laughs) People who carry change in their wallet. Yeah, they're the worst. How do you do that? They belong with people who talk at the theater. (laughs) (laughs) That special circle in hell. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I don't. Uh, God, it's so awkward. It's making my pocket feel weird just thinking about it. And people who, like guys who wear their wallet in their back pocket and don't take it out when they sit down in the car or something. You know, that was <laughs> what made me move to a slim wallet because I realized my wallet was pretty lean, but I was still like, I'm sitting on like this inch thick. It's just like ready for back problems. <laughs> yeah. So you're like cantilevered to one side all the cantilever. time. Cantilever. <laughs> cantilever. No, <laughs> I can't leave her. I can't even. I can't even leave her. Yeah, yeah. So that, but yeah. I'm, I mean, my wallet. I actually don't have it, which is disconcerting because it's in my bag. But it's. I mean, it's, I do want to like get past the like Lord of the Rings. Where is it? Like fear. <laughs> like where is my precious? Yeah. When whenever. But I, I I switched to front pocket a long time ago. It's like keys actually hook into belt. Yep. So if you if you were going to replace everything with your phone, what would you? Because I've actually thought about this. Like, fanny pack. Fanny pack. No. Would you maybe start carrying a little chargey dealy for a phone? Well, ninety nine percent of my life is near a charger. True. At home, at the office, in my car, I have chargers. So. I feel like it's it's more the exception than the rule when as soon as like you can take it for granted that just about every place you go to will take mobile payments. Mm. I don't really have to worry about the charge being a, th- a big deal. 
But again, I do see the the one card you have with you being, which <laughs> right. again is sort of like the problem we already have is I don't have a lot of credit cards. It's all the other shit. Yeah. But so when will we get? It is it is a shame fanny packs aren't fashionable. <laughs> They're really functional. <laughs> They're they went they min maxed. It's just all function, no fashion. So is there any point where in the near future, like? Well, let me rephrase. How long before you can have a digital, like, driver's license? Like, when can a cop pull me over because I didn't have my seatbelt on and I can say, oh, here, officer, and show him my phone and be like, there's my license number? Well, I remember there being some movements to have digital identification in the mid-2000s, and people were freaking out about Big Brother stuff. They're just like, oh. They know that the plastic card is tied to digital records, yes? Yeah, and that they already <laughs> track us everywhere anyway. But yeah. <laughs> I think that was a more naive time. But I think there's also the concern that, like, I don't know, I've heard the phrase, maybe this was from... Someone from a European country that has already gone through this transition to being identified everywhere in every way <laughs> is like, we're, we're going to have a database culture. We already do, but we're yeah. going to have one. <laughs> so might as well proactively try to set it up in a fair and just way that won't lead to an awful society, an awful government. Like the way records are handled, who owns the information, how is it shared, like all that stuff. That is policy and, and politics and ugly and and yeah. I feel like we're just gonna back ourselves into it as a nation and then we're gonna end up with this really broken awful. Well, this yeah, is a much bigger topic because we're gonna be resisting it all the way. But yeah. I kind of wonder. So the license thing is particularly interesting to me because like I'm required to carry my work ID to get through a couple doors, but I actually don't have to carry it. Like, we don't work in a... Situ- I don't know. There might actually be policy that you're supposed to, like... I know... It, yeah, okay. We don't have to talk about work, but... I, but-, but I mean, we don't work in, like, Lockheed Martin, where they shoot yeah. you if you try and come in. <laughs> Is that what they do? Uh, they shoot you with a rabies gun. They're they're pretty militant <laughs> over there, but... And rabies guns, that's, militant. that's what they're working on. Um, <laughs> but I mean, like, so I could probably get away without carrying that. I can't get rid of my... Without carrying a rabies gun. <laughs> I can't get away without my rail card because if, God forbid, you get on the train and you don't have your card, they're like, they find, they know, they see the guilt on your face. They're like, that guy. (laughs) They smell fear. Yes. But the thing about the driver's license that's always been interesting to me is if I, and this may be different state to state because I doubt this is federally mandated, but at least in Florida where I, I originally got my driver's license, you have to be licensed to drive you don't have to carry a driver's license. That definitely varies state to state. Yeah. So if you got pulled over in Florida and they said, where's your driver's license? You could say, I don't have it. Here's my driver's license number. And then they look you up and they're smots like in the Blues yeah. Brothers. And then <laughs> it seems like that's a, an analog era efficiency of like people are just going to say they don't have it on them. And you make it the rule you have to have it on you just to shortcut the like. Right. I don't want to have to figure out if you're actually licensed before we have the internet. Yeah. <laughs> and so we that, need to change that. You can look it up. Yes. You already look up my insurance status. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that that's what I wonder. But then, I mean, the main purpose of, like, I would say the thing that my 
driver's license gets pulled out for more than any other thing is drinking, drinking, (laughs) (laughs) drinking, drinking, drinking. Yes. Drinking. Exactly. And I mean, that's a, there's no doubt that I am over 21. Like I don't look old, but there's no, man, you old, (laughs) (laughs) no 19 year old looks like me. They just don't. But I understand, you know, they have, it's usually like if you look under 35 or if you look under 40, they have that number has been going up and up. It used to be like, (laughs) if you look under 23, (laughs) because it's like, if you look less, if you look younger than Christopher Lee, then (laughs) I have to card you. It's all the HGH in the milk. Now you got like 10 year olds running around with full beards and white hair. But so this is the thing is I think in an actual official capacity, we're basically already set to replace identification. But in then these stupid little analog capacities, like I don't really want a bartender or the cashier at the grocery store to have access to the nationwide yeah. <laughs> license database to look up my age. Yeah. Right. It needs to be like it needs to be like a number or a, a mobile phone tap or something that exchange tokens and doesn't reveal any information to the merchant it's just like the government agency is returning a boolean on is this person old enough see that yeah i mean i would love to see something and that'll be everywhere it'll be like are you physically fit enough to ride this roller coaster boop boop yes Yes. you'd also be like i don't have cancer (laughs) i don't have rabies I, i can see someone crying nanny state over that Yeah, but this is what I'm saying from that whatever obscure quote from someone in some other nation. Like, you're going to have a database culture. Might as well try to set it up right. Well, I mean, we're there. We We just pretend. We just have a terrible one. Yeah. But the thing that drives me nuts about payment, to bring it back to payments more directly, um, is... That most of the the other parts of the developed world have already gotten to like chip and pin. I mean, all of them. All yeah. of them. But uh, to me, I want to focus on the restaurant payment. And this <laughs> is the American, and maybe it's like American service culture, sort of like in some states where they pump gas for you. Mm. That like they take your card to the back room for swipe an indeterminate it, amount of time and then bring you a piece of paper so you can say how much you want to tip but you have no idea what happened to your card and the three digit security code yeah it's just like it's, i know that it's like it doesn't really happen but it happens sometimes to someone that well, you're giving your card and it's the only it's it's not secure and do you realize it was in our lifetimes not all that long ago that the merchant copy of a credit card receipt had the full number on it. Yeah. Like, I remember walking out of restaurants and taking the merchant copy and putting it, like, under a napkin holder or under, like, the condiment bottle so that someone just casually walking by couldn't be like, oh, his number is 135679. where my urge when I get a receipt is I want to tear it up and, like, it's like I want to secure delete this. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, because it's from decades of them being idiots about it. So I don't I don't get that America and that's actually one of the things that's probably slowing down our like that will make like paying in a restaurant will be weird for Americans cuz we're used to this awful security setup of take my information away <laughs> and bring it back like and I I pre- just pretty please don't steal my identity and I'm sure it varies widely in Europe but I I'm aware that like they bring a machine to your table you swipe your card yeah like, yeah, it's a little that makes you know, a lot thing. of sense. Is that just like not elegant to have payment come to your table? And I I suspect it's, it's because of 
a lot of other technology nonsense we have, which is we did credit cards either first or very early. So, so we we're stuck with the old infrastructure. <laughs> yes, exactly. We established these broken norms, and then other people were like, oh, we want to take part of what you're doing, but not the dumb parts. Yeah. And then they did it smarter. You know, I mean, this is why South Korean internet totally kicks the ass of American internet because yeah. they came to it like a decade later, but they learned from all the horrible mistakes we made. Yeah. yeah. I was just so this is it's the weird thing that the the marketing that's going to say that mobile payments are insanely more secure is going to be really damn true in America because of our social norms for payment. Yeah, I, and it's not because think, it's so much better; it's because we're so bad. <laughs> yeah, I think we might luck out a tiny bit just because um, chip and pin for credit is really the the experience is very similar to paying with a debit card. So I guess if the person walks over and they hand you the little machine like that, that adjustment I think will come a lot easier than credit card companies are acting like. You know, I mean, you have yeah. companies like Visa who are like, oh, Americans won't stand for that. And it's like, what do you think Americans do when they travel to Europe or Asia and yeah. pay for something with a credit card? Do you think they just, like, flip tables and they're like, "I take my card out of my yeah. sight? And even, like, most routine transactions, you are the one swiping the card now. You're in Walgreens. You're in a fast food place. They just have front-facing terminals and you swipe. Oh, yeah, because you sign digitally. Yeah. You know, and I... With the super low-res chicken <laughs> scratch. And I've noticed now a lot of places, uh, is it $50? If it's under $50, you don't even have to sign. Yeah. So it's like, I take my card out of my pocket, I slide it, I put my card back in my pocket, and no one else ever sees it or touches it. Like, that's good. Like, step in the right direction. Yeah. So you got a thing in here about the FFA. (laughs) You have a thing in here. Plastic. Plastic. About the flight attendants, uh, you said challenging. I think they're actually talking about suing the FAA Yeah, over this. So let, explain this. So I want to find the part of the quote here. Um, let me. You, you want me to explain it while you yeah. do research? Okay, so uh, some flight attendants got together and they basically said that mobile devices like tablets and smartphones should not be allowed to be used during takeoff because that's the most turbulent part of the flight. They can become projectiles so and this is kill what, That's what I wanted to read. So the FFA basically is like, yeah, this doesn't make any sense. Just let people use their little devices the whole flight. And the, the, the unions, so here's the quote. The union says the devices can distract passengers from safety announcements. You know, the, the worst part of the flight. Yeah. Or other than crying babies, um, <laughs> and become dangerous projectiles. And I just think that's insane. That's that's the crazy language of we have to overstate our case to get attention. Well, and I have I never remember seeing anyone with a book ever told. Please stop throwing iPads at me. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, please. Oh yeah, and, and books can be projectiles too. Hardcover right. books. Yeah. So the next flight I go on, I want to take like. It's book also seven. very distracting from yeah. the safety. Exactly. <laughs> I want to take like book seven of Harry Potter, which is like the size of a dictionary because <laughs> it's, you know, big type and it's a big hard cover and I'm going to sit there and I guarantee you no one will even look at me cross-eyed. But if I have my seven ounce 
tiny little mobile device. You're going to be like, whoa, he's distracted. That could become a dangerous they, projectile. They think you're like Ricky Jay and you can throw cards through watermelons, <laughs> <laughs> playing cards. You could definitely throw volume seven of Harry Potter through watermelon, but it, it would be more of like an explosion. <laughs> than more a- Gallagher than Ricky Jay. <laughs> exactly. But I mean, this. as soon as I saw this, this, this article, I was like, okay, so... Now you have to list the ways that this is somehow different from a book or a magazine because until you can do that, you're also saying we have to ban books and magazines. Which, unfortunately, I hope that's not like that. You're right. Boom. Ban everything. <laughs> yeah, that would be a sad moral victory. It's like, yay, I was right. I made everything worse. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if there's a lot to say about this except it's dumb. You're dumb. Well, and we just – like we just – got here (laughs) we just crossed the bridge out of stupidity into reason town we're not even all the way inside the city limits and they're like oh we should go back to stupidity and i want to say and i normally hate this phrase but i think you're on the wrong side of history (laughs) i hate that phrase because it implies there's some definite order to history some ultimate progression but you're on the wrong side of history (laughs) so i think some issues are i mean just Give me the other side of this argument. Like, right. explain to me how these objects are in any way different it, from the it objects we're totally It sounds to me cool like when teachers are like, put away your laptops, listen to me talk. <laughs> it doesn't matter if I suck. You have to listen to me talk now. <laughs> and it's like, well, how about you make this actually a good learning experience? If you're worried about your little safety announcements, make me want to pay attention. Well, it's like, uh, I think... Oh man, was it Delta? Somebody not that long ago started making their videos like kind of funny and like interesting. I mean, it think about it from the customer's viewpoint. Like you're a flight attendant, you're a pilot, you're a mechanic or whatever who works on airlines. Like you're up in the sky all the time. It becomes mundane to you. To someone who flies maybe like a couple of times a year, it's like I sit down on this cramped flight in this expensive seat, and the first thing you tell me is all the ways I might die. Yeah. And you wonder why I'd rather, like, be playing a game on my phone than listening to this. <laughs> it's like, I, you yeah. know, just try and relate a little bit. Like, make it yeah. less horrifying. It's awful. It is awful. You're wrong. <laughs> You're wrong, and you should feel bad. You should feel wrong. So... Are they really calling the Snapchat leak the snappening? The snappening. Are you calling it? I saw the someone call it the snappening. I saw them. (laughs) I beheld it. (laughs) What they did. What is the snappening? I don't know if that comes through in my voice, but I'm pulling down at my eyes and like a frustrated. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's not a good look. It's not. Um, the snappening is apparently, and Snapchat is denying any culpability and, and having done anything wrong in this. Um, Our API leaks like a sieve. It's everyone else's fault. Yeah, so they're basically saying if people want to use unauthorized third-party apps and then their pictures get leaked, it's not our fault, even though those apps are using our API, and that's the reason the photo's leaked. Right. They didn't say it that way, but, but that's, that's what, what it say. amounts to yeah. is... Basically, this researcher figured out that you could sniff the network near someone that the token the API gives you that it, it like the API doesn't differentiate whatsoever. So oh. someone who can intercept <laughs> that can do anything, including just grab all your supposedly transient pictures. Right. And this is like, I don't like if why would you use Snapchat? <laughs> I just don't see any. 
well, okay, the so, vibe, not the product idea. Like, I get why people are attracted to the product idea. It's the I, company. Maybe I'm I'm overly optimistic, but I I honestly believe that the main use for Snapchat is not teens sending Sexting. each other yeah naked pictures of each other. It's it's adults sending each other naked pictures. No, I, <laughs> I honestly don't think that it's that's... Christopher Lee sending naked pictures of himself. <laughs> I honestly don't think that's the main use because I think stupid kids and stupid adults and stupid families and stupid people in general, like, they just... They're using it as, like, instead of sending, like, a frowny face emoticon, they send, like, a picture of them being, like, frown face, you know? Or, like, yeah. instead of texting LOL, they, like, you know, it's a still shot of them. <laughs> right? And it's, like, I think that's probably... Guffaw. That's a guffaw. It is a guffaw. And I think that's probably the main use. But if you say to someone, our entire business model is around this data being secure and destroyed automatically whether you want it to be or not... There will be some people who are occasionally like... Uh, well, it's like a honeypot for stuff yeah. people want to steal. Well, and it's just like, say, you know, you left your one credit card at home. So you text your, your spouse and you're like, hey, send me a Snapchat of the front and back of the card. Because you're thinking like, it's secure and it'll get deleted. I know that's kind of a stupid case, but like, that's the sort of... When you think the channel's secure, you start to find those little yeah. niche cases. Well, and what do you do when it's like, oh, I need to send my credit card number to my wife? Yeah, there, <laughs> there have been multiple. And I, I sound super paranoid the first time I had to do this. Um, but I was talking to my wife online. I had to do something over the phone. And we were going to put it on a card I didn't have with me. And I was like, I need you to call me. So that you can read the card number to me and I can write it down by hand. Do not IM it to me. Don't IM me credit card information. Or like, you know, I was filling out like medical paperwork and it's like, call me and tell me your social security number. For the love of God, do not send it over this definitely insecure IM channel. Yeah. And it's like... Do not email it. Oh my God. God. No, 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 no. (laughs) And I mean, it sounds extra super special paranoid, but remember... The thieves and the criminals, it's not like, oh, well, if I leave my door unlocked, I'm in a good neighborhood. The chances of someone coming up to my house and trying my door to see if it's unlocked are slim. These are robots. Like, they're just robots out there just, like, sniffing the network and scanning for traffic. So it's like, you're not guarding yourself against coincidence. You're guarding yourself against a fairly likely happening. You know, so... Snapping. The snapping. So this is, like... You know a bunch of nude photos got leaked, but also probably things like credit cards and birth certificates and things that people just needed to see for like a second yeah. to like copy information off of. And also lots of butts and dicks. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So I don't know. You never used Snapchat? Like you didn't even I try it? I tried it for five seconds just to see what it was. Yeah. But uh, since I'm not a teenager. See, I I can... Since I'm not in middle school. <laughs> I mean, I, I have a little little baby daughter at home, and I can imagine, like, oh, you know, my wife is at home with the baby, or I'm at home and my wife's out, so, like, I'll send them a picture real quick. But it's like, I don't, I don't really want those to be transient. Like, it's okay if I save every picture of my kid I've ever taken because they don't take up any physical space. Well, your first space. kid. My first kid especially. <laughs> but it's like, but I mean, like, if she sends that to me over Hangouts or if I send that to her in an email or on Google+, like... It's okay that that's permanent or permanent. Yeah. 
you know, because it's I don't want that to necessarily be transient. So I don't I don't know what the hell I would use it for. Yeah, I guess sad face <laughs> and lol. I guess would be it. But this is what I've. Well, I mean, some I, ne- of the, I never even tried the it. transience is coming to the, the other platforms now, just due to the popularity. Like, I can send little audio clips through iMessage that disappear in two minutes, so I can mm-hmm. have like a walkie-talkie conversation, and she doesn't have my wife doesn't have to actively delete them. It's just like listen, done. That's you just you just put your finger right on it. The transience, the benefit is not security; it's organizational I don't want to clutter. manage all yes. this media. It's just organizational clutter. So, but don't you think people tend to associate those two, right? Yeah. They think, oh, it was deleted. It's gone forever. It's like, nah, Almost never. Eh, probably not. <laughs> did you secure delete? Is your device encrypted? Was it did done you, over HTTPS? Do, yeah, did you do a seven-step erase, <laughs> zeroing, randomization? What I think it's the DOD, I think, is only three-pass. And then there's like, there's a crazy one. There's an algorithm that's like a joke where it does like 185 passes. It takes something like a year to run on an average machine. (laughs) Or you can just let it get halfway and then stop and then it corrupts all your data and then you know it's gone. (laughs) Uh, The snapping. That's, uh, it's not as bad. At least it didn't say Snapgate. Snapgate. It's not. Snapgazi. (laughs) It's not Snapgazi. It's definitely not. How does the band Fugazi feel about this? I don't know. Did they know there was a place called Benghazi when they chose that name? I don't know. We should have them on and ask them. <laughs> All right. I'll give them a call. <laughs> so hey, Fugazi. <laughs> so this one, the journalist buying Twitter fame. Set this one up. Okay. So uh, there's a an article on Medium which... Oh yeah, here it was rehosted on Medium because nothing. It's like the Wikipedia for journalists. <laughs> yeah. So a guy wrote something somewhere and then eventually posted it to Medium, and I think he actually works for a magazine. It's QZ or Quartz. Quartz. Um, so for sixty-eight dollars, he created and and a couple hours worth of work. He created a fake person, gave them a fake Twitter bio, gave them a Wikipedia entry. And some some absurd many thousands like fifty thousand followers on Twitter. And he's that like vague. I'm a modern thinker, writer, speaker. Oh yeah, opinion person. Yeah, like, it's it's amazing. He gave <laughs> TED talks. He's written books about like imagining the true self or something. Like it's all very touchy feely, easy to fake modern self help kind of yeah. Nonsense. And I'm not trying to just completely devalue that stuff. I'm just saying that the terms are so fluffy. There, anyone can latch onto them. Like a regular person is not likely to say, "I have a PhD in applied physics," because that's like a huge claim. But to say, like, I'm a speaker who thinks about, you know, the self in the modern world, like anyone can make I that play claim. in this space. Yes, anyone. <laughs> Whoa. Anyone can make those claims, so that's not harder, or it's not hard to fake, um, and it, it kind of like baits in. Well, the other thing, the sixty-eight dollars comes in is because he went to Fiverr.com, yep. which, if you're unfamiliar, is a place where you can pay someone five bucks Wait, to do. Don't you mean Fiverr? 
Fiverr. Fiverr. Basically, it's five bucks, and people will do things for you. Like, they'll draw an avatar of you. I've, I've, that's where I got mine. Yeah. yeah or I've, they'll, I've used them. they'll give you feedback on your song. Or, you know, it's just like a random market. It's like one ads for a like cheap little task you can pay people to do. Mm-hmm. And people actually advertise themselves. Like, I can draw illustrations. I can do this. And so he bought followers on Twitter, which, of course, is against the terms of service. But how good are they at at figuring out when you consider the way they sell advertisers is probably on number of users i don't think they enforce it all that hard yeah it's sort of a like uh fox guarding the hen house or whatever yeah oh it's fiverr so there is an e but there's there's two r's so it's fiverr fiverr so he, (laughs) he used fiverr to get followers and before you knew it and he also uh faked a uh a little blue check of like that's my favorite <laughs> that he put it he's like yeah some people won't fall for this but my avatar picture actually has the blue check of like verified yeah because he actually he lined up the pixels so that it's part of the background image yeah. on his twitter profile like that's that's attention to detail man and so so how quickly did he get to some insane number of followers i think it was same day so same day he got to what in the tens of thousands. So let me let me check and do some internet research on my on my blogosphere. Yeah, uh, right now it's seven thousand followers. Oh, he bought fifty thousand. Okay. Or no, so, he he bought ninety thousand for fifty dollars. Okay. So he, I want to read his profile. Santiago Swallow. Santiago Swallow, <laughs> which he used a, like a, a writing software to generate a, a unique name. Yeah. Which, that, that was not the first one. He said it was just his favorite. Um, and so here's his bio. Reimagining self in the online age. Art, talk, thought. And that's it. And then it, actually now it links to the, the Quartz article about how he's fake. Right. And he did make some outright fraudulent claims, like that he had spoken at TED and that he's written a couple bestsellers. But, I mean, if you... If someone just says like, "Yeah, I wrote a best-selling book," like you're not, you're probably not, unless you're getting ready to give him a job. So, the, you know? what, one of my favorite parts of the story is that he generated tweet content of just like vague, <laughs> just vague, total aphorisms, bullshit. like "the future is the present, only later." These, <laughs> 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 this is like mystery men, like Ben Stiller, yeah. like stuff. Like a smile comes from the soul, a tear comes from comes from the heart a cuss comes from the ass (laughs) this is more like really bad fortune cookies (laughs) now what i think is is amazing about his bs tweets is it's not like he found some list of terrible you know one sentence sayings and put them into a spreadsheet so he could tweet them he found software that already existed to already publish bullshit tweets on behalf of a bullshit user. Yeah. Like, not only is he not the first to do this, but he's so not the first to do this that there's a whole industry to, like, support this kind of fake nonsense. It's fake users following other fake users to bolster the fake following. So it's just content. an echo chamber of nonsense. Yes. This is why, like, I'm I'm kind of stingy with who I follow on Twitter because I'm like, you're an interesting person, but that doesn't mean your tweets are interesting. And I don't mean that in, like, a stuck-up way, but there are a lot of people who I'm like, oh, we 
agree on like this professional thing or we're into the same kind of video games or whatever, but you only tweet pictures of your coffee. Yeah. It's like, I just don't care about your coffee. So I'll talk to you in real life. We can have a professional relationship or whatever. I just don't want to follow you on Twitter. I want to read two more of these. (laughs) Armor sometimes repels enemies and always repels friends. (laughs) What? (laughs) And then to be more awake, be more asleep. Oh, God. Uh, this is when's well, this last is time? one of those psychological things, though. If people want to believe you, like if if you're that kind of con man, it's like yeah. you say this stuff, and they're like, "That is really profound." Yeah, I mean, this is every time anyone talks about spam, I always kind of, I either personally come back or the people discussing it come back to it's just a numbers game, right? Like because it's a robot, mostly talking to other robots, but <laughs> because it's a robot, you don't have to spend time and effort convincing each person individually to send you money for Viagra. Like you can just say to like a billion people all at once, like, Hey, everybody send me $5 for Viagra. And if only a thousand people comply, (laughs) that's still $5,000. So it's like, I mean, people say like, Oh, who would fall for this? And it's like somebody obviously, otherwise they wouldn't keep doing it. Yep. Uh, so is this, I guess his his whole deal with this was just to show how easy this is, right? I mean, I'm he's not, he's sure. not I mean, specifically trying to discredit Twitter. I get, I get that he successfully garnered thousands of followers, but I still don't see that anything that crazy was accomplished. It's not like, I, I, I think the story becomes a story when Santiago gets invited to actually speak at TED or, you there know, something you like that. Because I think there was a documentary about 10 years ago or something called The Yes Men about these guys that just wore suits and went around like pretending they were important and belonged. Mm. And they actually got into like the UN, into like <laughs> meetings. And just like they, they, you know, it's that whole like your uniform can like, you know, walk around with a suit and a clipboard and people let you go anywhere kind of thing. So, yeah, that that is a deeply held belief. So they basically demi- they on it. <laughs> demonstrated that in a documentary. And so, so I think based on the way this guy's article ends, I think two, he's really getting at two points. The one is not just that this can be done, but how like cartoonishly easy it was. $68, a couple hours of work, and boom. And then if he wanted to capitalize on it, like, look, all I had to do to lay the groundwork was a couple hours of work and a few dollars. And now I can actually change this profile to a real account. and Right. And... We told the robots that follow me. But you might be blown up in like the who you should follow ratings for actual new users. Right. Oh, you know, that's an interesting. I would not have considered that. So you make a BS machine and then you just step in at some point and you're like, now it's me. Yeah. Do people do that? This is like I, I sent a car into the race two hours before the race started, and then I just arrived at the right spot and hopped in. And <laughs> huh. See, I mean... And apparently in Tour de France before, like, television and oh, yeah. more coverage, people would try to hop on trains and <laughs> skip parts of the course. See, the only reason I find that a little... And I'm sure in reality it would never come back to bite you, but I wouldn't want the history of bullshit... <laughs> Behind my account, you know, so it's like, say you did this on January 1st and then on January 30th, you take it over as you. That means there's a month of bullshit in your Twitter history that someone may come like probably not. (laughs) 
but they may come across it and then be like, how come for a month you tweeted things oh, you that just were... go through and delete that. Uh, well, yeah, also, does Twitter hides, like, unless you request your archive, after a certain That's amount of true. time, people can't see your old tweets. That's very true. And they can't request your archive. Yeah. Huh. So for $68, I could be internet famous, like, <laughs> so by this afternoon. I think I know what I'm doing today. Yeah, right? Cancel all my Fiverr. meetings. <laughs> Oh, and, and the other thing is he did pitch a book. Uh, <laughs> to be fair, he saved it for the very, 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 very end. It's not like throughout he was like, in my book, I talk about blah, blah, blah. In my book. In my book. So did you know, I just have to mention because the TED thing put it on my mind. Did you know that in TED you're specifically not supposed to mention like your company or your product? It's just supposed and, to be your ideas. Yeah, and... I, when I found that out, I thought back on how many TED Talks I'd seen that were basically like, in my research for this product that I'm willing to sell you for $1,000, yeah. I was like, this is an ad. doesn't mean it's not interesting, but he's definitely trying to sell me something. Yeah, Sketchy. Sketchy. I guess at least if they're interesting. So do you want to wrap up with this young people love lock-in? Because I don't want to talk about this Apple crap. Yeah, we're, we're <laughs> going to skip that. Um, yeah, so this was an article I ran across that was basically responding to the idea that um, this new set of youngsters loves lock-in. They, they, you know, it's like lock-in's great. You're, and for the the non-techie listener, like when it, <laughs> it a platform locks you in, it's like you can't leave. It's you know, like if I leave, you can't I, leave with your stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's so if I if I switch away from iOS like or Android to the other, I can't use my apps on the other platform. But it, it, that's like the most tame version because it's that's not really that. It's like understandable technologically. Like, well, right. it's a different app. I think it's more like, what do you mean I can't open all my Microsoft Word documents in iWork or vice versa? Yeah. Yeah, because people expect their data to be portable. And so his his particular example is the way that most companies are not opening their products up, and they're just having these closed APIs that are tokenized. And that what this means is, if anyone innovates on their platform and threatens them, they can just revoke the token. Twitter. Oh yeah. <laughs> and so instead of having an open platform where you have to deal with competition and theoretically things just get better because you're competing. Um, it's like, no, Twitter can be like, yeah, we, uh, tweet bots kicking our ass. Well, fuck them. No API for them. Yeah. And you know, in Twitter's case, cause I think Twitter is probably the, at this time in history is the quintessential example of, yeah, fuck developers. Yeah. Like, oh dude, thanks for all your hard work. Now get out. <laughs> so hey, thanks for setting up the house. This is our house. Yeah. See ya. Yeah. Hey, where's my room? You don't have one. Yeah. Yeah, but I think this is like the whole like you paid the Kickstarter but you didn't buy stock in the company. But Right. Yeah. It's and like we don't have not, to send you not, a product cuz you didn't actually buy anything. They're not legally wrong what they're douches. Yes. Yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> so you're just an his asshole. example at the end is maybe I'll read this. He'll say So his basic argument is no young people don't inherently suddenly love lock-in just because it's fashionable to do it closed APIs now. And so here's the paragraph I want to read. He says, we'll see what happens. The long term is a bitch, and it has a tendency to plow under get-rich-quick schemes. And I know you think it's idealistic, but evolution only builds on open formats and protocols. That's how technology layers. It's true some patents hold and some lock-in gets built on, 
look at PDF, for example, but there's a reason HTML took us places PDF never could. The ability of anyone to do anything they wanted to without having their API key revoked. That's a big enabler of creativity. To use terminology VCs understand. (laughs) Well, I think with Twitter, it's interesting to me because the only reason I can think of that they, from their end, would justifiably cut off like TweetBot and, I don't know, Carbon and all the other like six Mm -hmm. TweetDeck. They actually bought TweetDeck and then basically just left it to die. about Tweety back in the day? Oh, yeah, yeah, true. Um, Is because they wanted to make sure they got certain statistics from users and that they gave certain ads to users. Ads, 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 ads. Ads, 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 yeah. But, I mean, the statistics drive the ads. So I wonder, couldn't they have just said to build on our platform, you have to send us these statistics and you have to show these ads, show these ads you know, with this amount of frequency or more? I think they, they basically are going in that direction. It's just more like they didn't want to scare off all the enthusiasts who were using those apps by pissing them off by if you do ultimatum and then like... But I mean, so they just killed them? Like, doesn't that scare people off? Well, what Twitter did was they, they set a limit on the number of tokens these apps could release to to let people log in, basically. Yeah, I think it's like 100,000 yeah, without and then, asking for more. Yeah, But, th- I mean, that just feels like such a crappy... It's like, oh, you could either continue helping us build our platform and you make money and we make money and everybody makes money or we can lock the doors to the house and turn off the music and turn off the lights and go to bed. Party's over. Yeah. And I mean, like for me, the like I like Twitter. I'm I'm every day I'm following like a few more people to where the chronological stream is no longer good enough. I need I need my red position to be remembered between devices and services and it's not and that is so unacceptably simple like this is not a complicated problem yeah i mean i like i only just use a timestamp. yeah any something (laughs) i only ever use twitter from my mobile because on the web client it always starts at the top in TweetDeck, it scrolls continuously so you can't make it stick anywhere even if you leave it open it's like i just how have you not mastered this? <laughs> I mean, maybe I'm using Twitter wrong. Maybe most people use Twitter in a way where they're just like, oh, well, I'll just read from the top till I get bored and then I'm done. But I don't do that. Like, I actually yeah. kind of scan over everything. So I think what's interesting is this guy's argument is basically like, in a short time span, you can definitely leap ahead by being closed. But in the long term, this will just slow. It'll it'll kill your your ability to survive in a, an evolving world. And his other example is RSS. And he said he remembers there being all sorts of fancy content management APIs mm. around the time mm-hmm. RSS was coming into being. And guess which one we remember and still exists? Yep, <laughs> RSS and Atom. Yeah, and you know it's actually this is an interesting argument because I've heard the exact reverse argument levied only against Google. Where they say, oh, Google brings everybody in by being open, and then once they have them, then they lock them down. Like, that's the (laughs) argument people make with Android all the time. Yeah. So it's just like, is Google so powerful that they're the exception? Android's just such a weird one we could spend a whole episode on, because it's AOSP is completely open source, but Android in practice in 
the world is is not AOSP. Yeah, <laughs> and so not, it's like this, it's this weird like you have to be very specific about what you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Okay, so that, <laughs> and when people say Android, they almost never mean AOSP. No, they mean the Google. <laughs> they mean Google Play services. Yeah. So that, but I mean, that's exactly it is they brought developers in. They were like, look, this open platform. And then they hooked more and more of the goodness into their proprietary stuff. Yeah. And now it's like, well, yeah, I'm on an open platform, but I'm shopping at this proprietary business. So I'm kind of like, it's not really open. I mean, like to me, openness in a platform means a lot of different things. And I'm willing to pick and choose. It doesn't have to be iOS, which is like until recently was 100% locked down or Android AOSP, which was like completely open. Like there are some things I really want to be open. Like I want to use custom keyboards. I want to use, you know, custom launchers and those kinds of things. But if Google doesn't release the source code for like their Gmail app, like I don't. I don't care. Yeah. Like I'm still going to use Gmail whether I have open source clients or not. Yeah. You know, so it's like I feel like the right place to be is probably somewhere. But in the now gray. Gmail is going all API. It is. It's because the existing email APIs are bad. Yeah. Like really dated, really old. So this is the case for, like, I, I don't want to have one answer to this question. I get it. Like in general, more open is better. We want to get to common standards that are open that no one gets to own and tax everyone for. But there are moments where it's like, yeah, the country's infrastructure sucks. Can someone just do something and like we'll sort it out later, but like make it better and yeah. then and then hopefully we haven't sold our souls to the devil. But well, I mean, look how many times have we talked about this with uh with with internet? Google every town that Google has threatened basically to yeah. come and lay fiber in, all of a sudden Time Warner gets amazing. All of a sudden Comcast service gets amazing and it's like yeah, but instead of being in an open market and just doing the right damn thing, it took this like proprietary threatening, you yeah. know, army coming over the horizon and like <laughs> yeah. our fiber will blot out the sun. Like <laughs> as you know, that's what it took to get them like actually move. Yeah. So I think it it really more open is better. I'm, I I think that's the right way to say it. Like lean toward open, but proprietary isn't an automatically evil. Yeah. And I mean, trying to build consensus in a community can be slow as balls sometimes. <laughs> and you just, <laughs> yep. You just sometimes it just takes a. And I mean, I think sometimes Google's Android model is a really good one because it's open source that is backed by a private company that is putting resources behind it. Yeah. Like all the most successful open source projects tend to be in that model yep. where it's like they're kind of sponsored by someone private. Yeah. Well, I mean, even uh, a lot of people probably don't realize, but the vast majority of funding for Firefox actually comes from Google yeah, because they pay a huge premium to be the default search in Firefox because they know people typically don't change defaults. So it's kind of like Fire- and Safari. And what does Opera come baked in with? Probably Google. <laughs> I don't know, but probably. I think they're, they're happy to keep that. They'll, they'll pay. They're probably being extorted all the time. <laughs> to keep. Yeah. But I mean, that, Firefox lives and dies by yeah. Google's success. I wonder if they, they want to become more independent. <laughs> I think over the last few years since Chrome got more popular, they tried to diversify their funding model a little. But 
it takes a lot of small donations to equal Google's giant check yeah. with all the zeros <laughs> on it, you know? Well, and there's also the model like WordPress.org has WordPress.com. Ghost mm. has, sells their own hosting, which they just raised yeah. the prices crazy. But, Canvas. Yeah. Our own in-work in, in content yeah. management system. Cause, and I love uh, to non-technical people who – they're kind of in that like, well, I know enough to make a really terrible argument <laughs> when they say like, oh, well, this is open source. So it's supposed to be this completely free platform. And it's like, uh-huh. The software is free. You can run Firefox for free without paying anyone any money. You can run Canvas. Uh, you can run uh, Chromium, which is, you know, what Google Chrome is baked on. But then to say, oh, but then I also want all the servers and all the maintenance and all the support and I want you to do work for me when it doesn't work the way I want. It's like, no, that costs money. Like, <laughs> you can't, it can't just all be magically free. Then we'd live in some kind of crazy utopia. Yeah. And we'd have unlimited time and never die of old age. Like, there's, there's a lot of stipulations to yeah. getting what you want 100% of the time. And it's it's a little bit of the joker, like if you're good at something, don't do it for free. It's like if <laughs> if you're providing value yeah. in some space that had an inefficiency or had, you know, something that could be better, then yeah, somewhere in that system you're getting paid for it. Otherwise, why would you do it? Right. And I think so that's I mean capitalism. Yeah, we we, we don't have time to flesh out this whole thing right now, but like when it comes to uh like digital music and digital books and they say, like, well, you only had to produce one copy, and then all the other copies don't cost money. And it's like, yes, but don't think of it as paying for the physical object. Yeah, you're paying that it gets to exist at all. In, yes, in exactly. All the efforts. You're paying so that person can create more things. Like, you're funding their art, basically. You're like a patron of the arts at that point. Yeah. Oh my god, I just solved it. If you frame <laughs> There's it... There's already sites doing this. There's pa- I think Patreon. It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think framing it that way will make people understand. Or it will confuse the hell out of them because they're uncultured slugs. <laughs> <laughs> well, that escalated quickly. <laughs> and there is no in-between. Nope. <laughs> if you're in-between, you're probably using plastic. Plastic. All right. Fiverr. Where can you can people pay on Fiverr you? with your plastic? <laughs> people can. Well, where can they find these show notes? Fine. We'll start with the show notes. Show notes. Show man. notes. The flipping table. Show notes. <laughs> At http colon slash slash f l i p p i n g t a b l e s p o d c a s t dot c o m slash zero three six i got the distinct impression that midway through that joke you realized it wasn't worth it <laughs> you're like oh this is taking forever to spell flipping tables podcast.com for show notes slash zero thirty six for this episode yes and where can people find me they can find me at lines or at lines beta on twitter yes and you can find me at pseudomichael.com Oh, right. And, yeah, and I forgot. Med, We're just stopping. Medward's music. <laughs> no, that's fine. You can do that. I just forget every time. <laughs> so, and I, I want, I'm interested. So, we got some great feedback about spoilers from, from people. And what I want to hear about this time is what we talked about right at the beginning is this the, the mobile payments. Like, yeah. do you want to do this? Can you do this? Like, does it freak you out? You know, do you carry are, a lot of cards? Yeah. Are you what like, what are those numbers? Are you like me where you're just stuck because what you're carrying isn't actually a credit card? It's like a stupid it's rail pass or whatever. Stuff. Yeah. So I'm, I'm interested in this because I, I have this suspicion that I am not an outlier. I think most people are not that excited about mobile payments because they're like, yeah, but what about all this other crap? <laughs> so we'll see. 
All right. We'll hear from users, and we'll see you next week.